Thank you for downloading this special episode of Pardes from Jerusalem, featuring Rabbi Dr. Mish Hammer Kasoy, Pardes faculty and director of admissions. This podcast episode is sponsored by Rabbi Yaffa Epstein in honor of the amazing senior staff, boards, faculty, staff, students, and alumni of Pardes. If you're interested in more digital downloads, please visit elmod.pardes.org. Pesach, a night of protection and overcoming fear. I'm not setting a place for Elijah at our Seder this year. I have no idea where he's been wandering before he got to me. So read my WhatsApp um, just a few days after Purim. For many of us, Pesach is a holiday of opening doors, of koldi chvin, of all who are hungry, let them come and eat. There's always room for one more, for, of caring for the stranger, of expansive community, and radical hospitality. The answer is obvious. This year's Pesach will be like no other in my life. This time is like nothing that I've ever known before. I've never experienced some un- such uncertainty, fear of illness, fear of food shortage, national catastrophe, global death, or economical collapse. On Chag, we make the blessing Shechianu, reserved for celebratory educa- occasions. The same Mishnah Brachot that commands us to bless Shechianu and Hatova Metiv on happy news commands us to say Baruch Dayan He'emet on difficult tidings and clarifies, bless on things as they are now. Even knowing that in the long run that may change, bad news may have a silver lining or even bring us to a better reality altogether. But now we are to name it as it is now. Dayan he'emet. Painful judgment. Let us begin by naming COVID plague as just that. A dreadful plague. I pray with all my heart that God should save us from this terrible situation. And yet the same Mishnah finishes on a different note. That you shall love God bechom odecha, bechom midav v'midashu modedlecha, havi modelo bimod maod. We're commanded, which we should love God with all of our soul. Whatever God gives out to us, we should thank God mightily. We're commanded to leverage our difficult situation in every way possible. And in the coming minutes, I hope to share four new gifts of understanding that Corona has given me and that I am thankful for Hashem, for which I'm thankful to Hashem in this coming year. Number one, with my fear, I have a new understanding of Chag HaPesach. Every generation is, con- is commanded to see themselves as if they personally went out of Egypt. And it seems to me that I have a perspective this year that I have never had access to before. More than any other time in my life, I can imagine the Israelites in Egypt terrified 
by the ten plagues. Who doesn't want who doesn't want to have a first experience of the Exodus? And yet I would certainly not have wanted to be in Egypt during that time. After all, the Torah only states explicitly that the Israelites were protected from four of the of the nine plagues Arov, Dever, Barad, and Choshek. Wild beasts, cattle plague, hail, and darkness. How did they experience the other five? Did they really feel safe from the others? given that the promise that they would witness the destruction but not be directly affected, it must have been terrifying to be in Pesach Mitzrayim, to offer a sacrifice and put blood on our lentils under the threat of the Nagif. How could the Israelites feel safe from the final blow, the death of the firstborn? To see the gravity of God's wrath, the inconceivable, unimaginable danger happening so close, I shudder to think of how terrifying it must have been. The Gemara in Bafukama makes explicit that the danger extended to the Israelites as well. Tani Rav Yosef, my dichtiv v'atem lo tetsu ish mi petzach beito ad boker, kevan shenitan rashut l'mashchit, enu mavchin ben tzadikim l'rashayim, v'lo od, ela shematchil min tzadikim tchila, shenemar v'hichreti mimech tzadik v'rasha. Rav Yosef taught, what is meant by, and none of you shall go out of the, of the door of your home until morning? If the plague wasn't decreed upon the Jewish people, why weren't they permitted to leave their homes? Once permission is granted to the destroyer to kill, it doesn't distinguish between the righteous and wicked. And not only that, it begins with the righteous first, as is said, as is stated in the verse, and will, and will cut you from the righteous and the wicked. The Gemara emphasizes that no one is really safe in a time of danger, and we can't necessarily distinguish the deserving from the undeserving of divine wrath. It also makes explicit that Egypt should serve as a model for all of us in dealing with fear. These dangers always existed, but never before did I have such easy access to the fragility of my human condition. In one of my favorite Gemara wrote, uh, Brachot 6, Rav Huna declares that there's a thousand demons to our left and 10,000 to our right. As Abba Binyamin says, if we could see all the demons surrounding us, we'd be completely and utterly paralyzed, which is a little how I sometimes feel now. Baruch Hashem, we're protected from these infinite, invisible perils on a day-to-day -day basis, but suddenly, now as in Egypt, the surrounding terrors are all too visible. How on earth can we be expected to move? I'm facing fear in an unprecedented way personally right now, but our ancestors were there. Not only did they survive, but they blazed a trail for us in how to handle it. Avarnu et paro navor gam et We got through it once, we'll get through it again. I feel better already. Lesson two. The Sanctuary of the Home. Va'atem lo teitzu ish mi petach beito ad boker. You may not peek from the door of your homes until the morning. While our starim have evolved so that they're characterized by a beautiful open-door policy, the ancient Seder was more of a family affair. Of course, as indicated already in the Gemara above, the Egyptian experience becomes a model for how we ought to barricade ourselves. Tanu Rabbanan. Ish Mi Petach Beto Ad Boker. 
Lech ami babachadrecha, scored la techa ba'adecha. The sages taught, if there's a plague in the city, gather your feet. As it's stated, none of you shall go out of the house uh, until morning. And it states in another verse, come my people, enter your chambers and door and shut the doors behind you. Staying inside will help. If you weren't listening to the ministry of, the he of health, then certainly listen to the Torah. But the Torah gives us some guidance about how to engage in that barricading. The home is a sanctuary, and I use that word very deliberately in its tarte mashma, double meaning, in the sense of placing refuge and in the sense of mikdash, holy place. Of course, etymologically, the words, ref, uh, say, the, word say, the two forms of sanctuary are one and the same. Holding off, holding onto the corners of the altar is an ancient way of taking refuge. While sacrifices are normally offered in the temple or before the temple in a central bama, the original paschal, sacrifice, paschal offering was a home-based sacrifice. Instead of pouring blood on the corners of the altar, the, the blood was poured on the four corners of the door, hamashkov, habizuzot, v'alsafabait. The emptying of our homes of chametz also makes our home a sanctuary. After all, it says in Vayikra, kol mincha asher takrivu Hashem. No meal offering that you offer to the Lord shall be made with heaven. Matzah is the temple gold standard. The rabbis have famously referred to the dinner table as a mizbeach ma'at, a little altar. Thus the rituals of hand washing, salting our bread, blessing our food, speaking Torah at the table. How, how can we even further enhance the sacred nature of our home, not just as a place of refuge, but as a sanctuary in the full sense of the word? The Mishnah gives us another hint. Secondly, the Paschal offering was eaten in carefully defined chaburot. The Mishnah, which you can also find on your source sheet, um, 713 says, the two companies which are eating in one room, they turn their faces towards each other and eat, and the other turns their faces towards each other and eat. Of course, there's a desire to distinguish between the two chaburot or sharing a space, but the emphasis on facing one another is anything but happenstance. The Mishnah objects strongly to looking at your phone during Seder, or for that matter, any family dinner. Levinas wrote compellingly about the power of meeting one another face to face as a way of deeply seeing, as well as taking full responsibility for one another. One another. Now more than ever, we can understand the depth of our mutual responsibility for one another. Another. The virus has made it ever so clear that our health is wrapped up inextricably with the help of our homemates. But that common faith points to a deeper connection, a need to look one another in the eye as much as possible and to share mutual responsibility. So yes, not only are there precedents for the fear we experience now, the Israelites blaze the trail for us, not just to take refuge in the home, but to turn it into a sanctuary. And that that sanctuary includes not just honoring the space and making it a mizbeach ma'at, 
a small altar, but also in making greater efforts than ever to see the faces of those within it with all the responsibility that is entailed within it. Lesson number three, invoke and celebrate God's divine protection. The ancient Israelites didn't just barricade them, barricade themselves in their home and shiver under the bed. They celebrated Pesach. We are used to translating the word Pesach as Passover in accordance with one of Rashi's understandings. God passed over our homes as visiting destruction on the homes of the Egyptians. Scholars, modern and ancient alike, have noted that the word Pesach is used to describe the Paschal sacrifice even before describing God's act of passing over the doors of the of the Jews. It seems as though the word Pesach was immediately intelligible to ancient Israelites, a familiar concept perhaps with a pre-existing history. It isn't clear precisely what the word meant. In addition to passing over, it might mean compassion, as also Rashi possibly indicates, and relatedly to protect. And this is how you shall eat it. Your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it hurriedly. It is a paschal offering to the Lord. The Pesach rite doesn't just commemorate an ancient event. It invokes Hashem's protection preemptively. As it says in Shmot Yud Bed in Exodus 12, Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lentils and the two doorposts. None of you shall go outside of the door this house uh, of his house of their house until the morning. And when the Lord goes through to smite the Egyptians, God will see the blood on the lentil or on the threshold and the two doorposts and the Lord will pass the door and not let the destroyer enter and smite in your home. You shall observe this as an institution for all time for you and your descendants. Biblical scholars call this an apotropaic rite, a rite intended to invoke divine protection and ward off evil. The atropic the apotropaic character of the evening also explains the emphasis on the requirement of circumcision. As the Torah says, again in Exodus 12, if a stranger who dwells with you would offer the Passover to the Lord, all his males must be circumcised. Then he shall, they shall, be, he shall be admitted to offer it, and he shall be as a citizen of the country. But no uncircumcised male may eat of it. Since circumcision is also known to ward away death, as seen by the circumcision performed by Tzipporah in Exodus 4. And the Midrash also names this um, in suggesting that Avraham sits at the gate of Gehenna and makes sure that no circumcised male can descend. The Midrash continues, 
on the day that the children of Israel went forth from Egypt, all the all the men were circumcised, both men, both young and old, for it says all the men that came out were circumcised. The Israelites took the blood of the covenant of circumcision and put it in the lentil of their houses. And when the and when the blessed Holy One passed over the passed over to plague the Egyptians, God saw the lintel of their houses, the blood of the covenant of the circumcision, and the blood of the Paschal Lamb, and was filled with compassion on Israel. As it is said, when I passed by you and saw you wallowing in your blood, as it is said, when I passed by you and saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you, in your blood live, in your, I said to you, in your blood live. In your blood, singular, it's not written, but rather in your bloods, twofold blood, the blood of the covenant of circumcision and the blood of the Paschal Lamb. Biblical scholars were uncomfortable with this apparently mythical, magical, slightly magical ritual. And Moshe Weinberg, um, in particular, demonstrates the way this apotropaic elements were marginalized in the book of, in the book of Deuteronomy when they revisited the Korban Pesach. But to be honest, on a year like this, I feel just how powerful salv salvific rights of protection, rational and irrational, can be in helping manage a crisis. We no longer practice the apotropaic Pesach rite, but the notion of a night of protection continues, if you will. Similar to the way Yom Kippur, on Yom Kippur we say, Etzim Hayom Mikaper, Exodus calls Pesach Leil Shimurim. Leil Shimurim Hul Hashem, Lotziam Yerz Mitzrayim, Hu Halayla Hazet. It is a leil shimurim to Hashem to take them out of the land of Egypt. It is a night to Hashem of shimurim for all of B'nai Israel for generations. The commentators disagree widely about how, about how the phrase leil shimurim should be understood. But I want to suggest that for us moderns, the very root shamar is essential. We're familiar with Shamar as observance. Shomer Shabbat, Shomer Kashrut, Shomer Nigiyah, Shomer Mitzvot. And it has no less, but it has a no less primary meaning. Shomer as in guard, as, as in Shmura Matzah. The root Shmirah is a refrain with respect to Pesach. It appears at least 10 times. Sometimes it's for us to Shomer, and sometimes it's on Hashem to Shomer. Either way, it's a shmira vest. As the Midrash suggests, a mutual love expressed in the form of guarding, protection, and of course, observance. So the ancients dealt with vulnerability with the Passover sacrifice and circumcision. And the night itself is considered a night of protection. Leil shimurim. And the Klei Yakar suggests that this night of protection, Leil Shemurim, of guarding and of observance, can be a model for all year long, of reciprocal Shmirah. Throughout history, Leil Shemurim has manifested itself normatively. 
practically in the unlocking and letting the doors fly wide open, inviting Elijah and anyone else who's at our door as a way of declaring faith and celebrating in God's protection. Which brings me to lesson number four, trust in Hashem. The Haggadah cites a Mishnah from the first chapter of Brachot that has always been a puzzle to me puzzlement to me, since on the face of it, it refers to daily liturgy rather than to anything specific about Pesach. Why is it being mentioned here? The Mishnah says, they mentioned the exodus from Egypt at night. Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah said, Behold, I'm almost a 70-year-old man, and I have not succeeded in understanding why the exodus of Egypt should be mentioned at night. Until Ben Zoma explained it from a verse, in order that you may remember the day you left Egypt all the days of your life. The days of your life refers to the days. All comes to include something extra. The nights, a time you wouldn't have thought of thinking about Yitzhak Mitzrayim of the exodus of Egypt. The, the sages say that we'll continue to mention to the to mention uh, Yitzhi, the going out of Egypt in the days of the Messiah. That this redemption will remain important even once we've been blessed bimhirabi amenu um, with a much bigger and more final redemption. But Benzoma says that kol everything comes to teach us the exact opposite. That we must remember the Exodus at night. Of course, that means technically that we must mention Exodus during Mariv. But it also sends something much more symbolic and significant, something that we can feel profoundly in this moment of deep darkness. Precisely at moments like this, where you read every morning in the newspaper doomsday scenarios, that is when we are commanded to remember God's redemptive promise, God's shmirah. Pesach is called the holiday of faith. I've spoken before about the importance of understanding faith, not as belief, but as trust. In the words of Yermiyahu, Ko amar Hashem, zacharti lach chesed neoraich, avat plulotaich, lechtech acharai b'mibar be'eretz lo Go proclaim to Jerusalem, thus said the Lord, I accounted to your favor the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. We had no idea when we followed that pillar of cloud and fire what would happen, but we trusted. We followed God into the desert and relied upon God's loving care. They launched into the desert in a leap of faith and trust. They were completely helpless there, relying entirely on Hashem for food, for water, for shelter. No wonder the desert was called Gadol Venorah, massive and terrifying. 
Of course, maintaining that trust was a gargantuan task. B'nai Israel had many lapses of trust along the way, breakdowns and whining and crying. It was worse than a week or more in, isol in house isolation. It would be surprising if it were any other way. But when they were able to follow Hashem with love and trust, how much better off they were. Having spent a month under the shadow of the virus, we can look back on our forefathers with a lot more compassion. And at the same time, we can garner and cultivate trust ourselves and patience with each other in our inevitable moments of failing. But most importantly, we need to try to invoke Yitziat Mitzrayim in the nights to find faith and redemption under this specter of darkness. The Slonimer Rebbe, the Nitivot Shalom, brings this Mishnah alive for me powerfully, and I'd like to share just one paragraph. For brevity's sake, I'll, sh I'll leave most of it in the Hebrew on your source sheet. Since Passover is the holiday of faith, necessarily the primary mitzvah of the night is Sipur Yetziat Mitzrayim, the telling of the story of going out of Egypt, the Higarat Levincha, telling your child, whose very essence is rooting faith. And that is the idea that telling at length is, is more praiseworthy. Even if we're all wise, it's a mitzvah for us to talk about the Exodus, which is something that we haven't seen with other commandments. Usually, once an obligation is fulfilled, there's no point in carrying on However, since Chag HaPesach is Chag HaEmunah, the holiday of faith, and Leil HaSeder is the night of divine revelation, it is Rosh Hashanah LeEmunah, from which faith imbues the heart of the Jew for the entirety of the year. Pesach Hu Rosh Hashanah LeEmunah. And from the clarity of the faith of this night. We merit to live a life of faith all year. And therefore, we're commanded to tell, or may I say, dre on, about the Exodus. Because it is the power of storytelling to root faith in our hearts for all year. As in the words of our teacher, the Holy Saba Malkovich, may his, may his merit protect us. On the verse, I have faith I have faith because I speak, that by way of repeating faith orally, it becomes rooted in our hearts. And this is the case all year long. How much more so on this night, which is the fountain which bestows faith for the year, that by way of speaking about the Exodus, we will root our faith and get a year-long supply of faith. Things may seem dark now, but Benzoma reminds us that now more than ever is the time to trust in Hashem as an act of worship and as a gift to our own mental health. Let us use this Passover, this night of Pesach, of storytelling, to garner faith that will help us see ourselves through this entire crisis. Now is the time to let go of our anxiety and our desire to be in control and to trust in God and God's promise to care for us. Whatever way God so chooses, and God can help, and help us to contend with our fear and our uncertainty and, an unsecu and our insecurity.
and to the extent that that is humanly possible, to celebrate it. Pesach as a holiday teaches us that it's okay to be scared. What may be uncharted territory for us as individuals has a traditional Jewish response. Um, our tradition teaches us the path to safety is to be on guard, shmirah, to barricade ourselves in and to batten down the hatches, to turn to our families and our homes and to turn our homes into sanctuaries, to see one another's face and to recognize our absolute responsibility for one another, to invoke God's protection on this Leil Shimurim and to celebrate it, to let the faith that we cultivate by repeating over and over the way that God came through for us in the past until we really feel it in our kishkas and to garner that faith tonight so that it can see us through this crisis. May it be over speedily, speedily in our day. Now, I've already used my allotted time and you've got a complete thought. So if you want to disconnect now, I'll completely understand, but I need to give you a little closing thought to return to Elijah, for whom we considered not opening our doors at the beginning of our podcast. We're all battening down our hatches physically, and that is the right thing to do. There's precedent for it in the Mishnah. The first chapter of Bhavabhatra shares that a community that wants to gate themselves can compel all of the residents to contribute. That is, this is that, that building a gate is so clearly laudable, a desirable improvement in the standard of living and in our security. And yet the Gemara is puzzled. After all, there was a certain Hasid who had an intimate relationship with Elijah and whose neighbor and whose neighbors built a gate and a guardhouse for themselves. And when they did, Elijah ceased visiting that Hasid. There may not have been a directive from the health ministry, but the neighbors surely had only the best of intentions when building that gate. And yet, Rashi uh, explains, once that gate was built, it had unintended but terribly dangerous, tragic even, consequences. When our doors are locked, we cannot hear Elijah calling from a distance. And as we know, Elijah is likely to be disguised himself as a beggar or someone in need. And yet in our siege mentality, we're at risk of ignoring those who are more in need than us. Elijah symbolizes the permeability of our boundaries, and it is that permeability that makes redemption possible. Leil Shiburim means that we have a shield of protection and are opening our metaphoric doors and making sure that everyone is cared for is an act of faith, which is its own reward. And it is also what makes us deserving of redemption. May we all have a Leil Shimorim, Chag Sameach. This episode of Pardes from Jerusalem was sponsored by Rabbi Yaffa Epstein. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast episode, please contact us at jackie at pardes.org.il. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcast today.